0: The Bible says, For fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you, born this day in the city of David, a Savior is born, who is Christ the Lord. The title of this morning's message is called Worship Fully. Worship Fully. Now, to get us on the same page, I'm going to break this definition down. And the word fully means this. It means to the full, complete, entirely, thoroughly, abundantly, and amply supplied. To the full, entirely, thoroughly, amply, and abundantly supplied. Well, better than giving you a definition, I'm going to give you a good illustration. Do you remember how you felt after your Thanksgiving meal? Everybody say amen. <laughs> Some of you are still like, oh, yes, I'm still feeling Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> amen. Well, you felt fully to the full. You couldn't eat anymore. Your stomach, not, your stomach could not contain anymore. You were sitting there thinking, oh, I am what? What? Full, hurting, miserable, in pain, agony. I mean, you, you, the, the list goes on down the line. Because why? You did it fully. You did not hold back on Thanksgiving. Am I right? Say amen. Well, if you did, I'm sorry because you missed it. I didn't hold back on Thanksgiving, man. I went all out. We started our Thanksgiving Wednesday, and I ate five, five bowls of stew on Wednesday night, and then we had it Thursday at noon, then we had it Thursday afternoon, and then we had it again yesterday. And so I'm sitting here thinking, I need to go back to the gym, Because I was fully immersed in thanksgiving to the full completely overflowing amply (laughs) supplied to no end Well, that needs to be your mindset When we talk about fully in the term worship fully Do it to no end Do it until you can't do it anymore Do it in a way that is out of the ordinary for you You do not eat like thanksgiving every single day But on Thanksgiving, you get fully, amply, amply supplied like never before. And so I want you to worship like you did Thanksgiving. Some of you worshiped Thanksgiving. You worshiped the food you ate. And we fell into feasting. Amen. If you know me, people always talk about gluttony and overeating. And I said, well, if there's over two people, it's not gluttony. It's not a sin. It's called feasting because you're with friends and family. Amen. And so, I want you to take that same thought process, that same illustration, that same mindset of where your mind is, and you're thinking, oh, how full I was on Thanksgiving. Have you ever worshipped fully? I mean, in reality, fully worshipped. And I sit here, and I can only probably, Damon, count on one hand the times when I can go before God and say, God, I think I really worshipped fully. I mean, gave it all I got, 110%, and hold nothing back, worshiped. And I want us to begin to change our mindset for 30 days. 30 days of fully worshiping. Whenever you're driving down the road and a good thing comes across your mind and you think, wow, I'm thankful for that. Don't just think, wow, I'm thankful for that. Worship God for it. I mean, in the middle of it, just say, oh, God, I worship you and I thank you for what you've done. And begin to worship fully. Now, now that you have the term worship in your mind, or fully in your mind, I want to talk to you about the term worship. The term worship is a Hebrew word, and everybody say, shakha. Okay, pretty good Hebrew. I mean, I don't really know. That's more Texan brew than Hebrew. But that is the term for worship in the Hebrew. Now, that term actually means to bow down or to prostrate oneself. To bow down or to prostrate oneself. Now, prostrate if you don't know, it's this right here. Okay? So if you're worshiping fully, and worship means to bow down or to prostrate oneself. In this definition, here's what worship also means. To bow down or to prostrate oneself before a superior in homage, before God in worship, before false gods, and before even angels. So the startling thing about this definition literally means worship fully. You can worship anything fully, and that's the scary part. Because to worship, it doesn't just specify God. It could be to somebody superior than you. It could be to God. It could be to false gods, or it could even be to angels. The Bible strictly warns about the angels and the false gods. And so the definition is this, it's to bow down or to prostrate oneself in homage before someone or something superior, either before God in worship or before false gods in worship and even before angels in worship. And so if we're going to worship fully, remember the thanksgiving analogy of fully, amply supplied, and then if we apply that to God, who we're talking about, to kneel down or to prostrate oneself before God in worship, It brings out a whole different avenue of worship. And some of you guys are thinking, Pastor, I will ruin my pants if I kneel down on this concrete floor to worship. Some of you ladies are thinking, I will get a runner in my hose if I kneel down on this floor to worship. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, my knees are so bad, if I go down, I ain't getting back up. (laughs) Amen. So it's not just about laying down or kneeling down. It's about using your body as an expression of worship it's about using all of you not just worthy is the lamb who was slain holy holy is he that that's the majority of american worship and then you go to a college football game and then you see worship (laughs) you see worship i mean you see faces painted red some of y'all know me too well. You see faces painted blue and maize, amen. You see faces painted whatever color of worship you are. You get into it. Your team hits a home run, scores a touchdown. Your player, favorite player makes a hat trick. If you're Cody Stewart, bless his heart, the stars are horrible again this year, and he doesn't have much to worship, but he tries. He Facebooks it all the time. I mean, we worship sports in America, Because worship is not just singing a song out loud or trying to sing a song out loud. It's bodily expression of full passion of what we're worshiping, whether it be God or false gods or angels or just something superior. And so let me talk to you about your Christmas worship. And let's see if your Christmas worship goes something like this. This is something I read the other day, and I wanted to read it to you. See, see if this sounds like our Christmas worship. "'Twas the week before Christmas and all through the town, not a sign of baby Jesus was anywhere to be found. The people were busy with Christmas time chores like decorating and baking and shopping at stores. No one sang away in a manger, no crib for a bed. Instead, they sang Santa dressed up in bright red. Mama watched Martha Stewart, Papa ate without lack, as hour upon hour presents they did wrap. Then what from the TV did they suddenly hear? An ad which told of a big, big sale down at Sears. So away to the mall they flew like a flash, buying some things on credit cards while others in cash. As they made their way home from the trip to the mall, did they think about baby Jesus? Oh no, not at all. Their lives are so busy with their Christmas time things, they had to- no time to remember Christ Jesus the King. There were presents to wrap and cookies to bake, but how could they stop and remember the one who died for their sake? to pray to his Savior. They had no time to stop because they needed more time to shop till they dropped. So on Walmart, on Kmart, on Target, on Pennies, on Hallmark, on Zales, and a quick lunch at Denny's. From big stores downtown to the stores in the mall, they would dash away, dash away, and visit them all. And up on the roof, there arose such a clatter. It was Grandpa hanging icicle lights with his brand new step ladder. He hung lights that would flash and hung lights that would twirl, yet he never stopped and prayed once to Jesus Christ, the light of the world. So instead of being busy, overworked, and uptight, Let's make sure Christ is in Christmas and enjoy a good night. As I read that, many things go through our mind because I did go shopping on Black Friday. Lord Jesus, pray for us. And I begin to think, as I read through this poem over and over again, trying to just imagine, do we really worship the holiday Christmas more than what Christmas is really about? Many times this Uh, epitomizes, this defines our worship at Christmas. We do all these things under the banner of Christmas, but do we really celebrate Christ and worship him fully? Do we really worship him at a level that would would challenge us today? Well, I'm gonna ask you this. In Matthew chapter number two, verses one and two, we read about um, wise men that came to baby Jesus. Now, wise men came and they brought three gifts. There weren't necessarily three wise men, I got a great couple messages on wise men and how they travel, so I guarantee you there were more than three men. And I guarantee you that they did not show up at the manger scene. They showed up about two years later at the house where Jesus was. But I'm going to quit. I'm going to stop debunking all those things of your holiday tradition, and I want to get to the point of what they did. Listen to what happens in Matthew chapter number two, verse one and two. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose, and we have come to worship him. Now we know the right answer when we're asked about worshiping fully, and we all know, oh, it's about Jesus, and it's about church, and it's about the things God's told us to do, but To worship fully means this, now let's go back to the definition, to completely, entirely, thoroughly, abundantly, amply bow down or prostrate oneself in homage before God in worship. Now, we're going to put the Bible to the test this morning, okay? Some of y'all are like, oh, what is he getting into? If to worship fully goes by that definition, we're going to see if the wise men who said we have come to worship actually worshiped fully this morning. And if they worshiped fully this morning and they did it by faith because they saw a star rise, I'm going to challenge you who have had an experience with Christ Jesus because you're born again, because you know him as Lord and Savior, because he's changed your life to begin to worship him fully. Amen? Amen? So let's put the wise men to the test this morning. When they came in, listen to what they said. When the wise men, they know where to go to worship. It says, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, the wise men knew, that, knew, they, knew where they were going. The wise men knew where they were going to worship. Many people would say, hey, where do, where do you go to worship? Everybody says, church. Can I tell you, that's the wrong answer. If the only time you ever worship is at church, it's a good starting place. It's not a good ending place. If the only time you ever worship is on Sunday morning during the sanctuary time, you're not really worshiping fully. Now, listen. When wise men begin to worship, they knew where they were going to worship. It says, and wise men came from the, to eat, from the east and went to Jerusalem. They knew where they were going. I'm going to ask you, when you come into the house of God and come into the presence of God, do you know where you're going and do you know how to get into the presence of God? Because a lot of Christians, we say, we came to worship this morning, and you came to a facility to worship, but you really don't know where you're going and how to get into the presence of God. Can I get an amen? Some of y'all are like, uh, yeah, but that that really is me, so I'm not amen in this morning. And that's okay, because we're going to teach you how to worship fully. And you get to practice it tonight at 6 o'clock at Shannon Oaks Church, amen? And so to worship fully, the first thing you have to do is you got to know where you're going. To get into the presence of God and worship, where do you go to worship? You go to the throne room of God. Amen. You walk in this facility with the throne room in your head and in your heart. You're not, you you make it a point when you walk through those doors, nothing is holding me back from getting to the throne nothing is holding me back from getting into the presence of God. It doesn't matter what songs Mitch sings. It doesn't matter what, what kids are crying in the background. It doesn't matter if the lights are on or if the lights are off. It doesn't matter how many songs we sing or how many songs we don't sing. Worshiping, you've got to know where you're going if you're ever going to get there to worship, amen? If I told you to go to California, you can't use GPS, you can't do, do, use anything else, but you've got to know where you're going before you leave this building what would you do? You would study out how to get there before you left the building. Well, if I told you you're going to worship and you're going to the throne room of God as you woke up this morning, what would you do? You better start finding out where the throne room of God is. How do you find where the throne room of God is? God says, then now come, let us approach the throne of grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. With boldness. Everybody say boldness. The wise men walked into the presence of Jesus boldly. Not irreverently, but boldly. See, God called his throne the throne of grace because he knew it was, you weren't worthy to be there. Amen? So he called it the throne of grace, not the throne of wrath, or not the throne of you got to do enough good deeds, not the throne of you got to give so much, not the throne of you got to earn it, but it's the throne of grace so you can come, but he asked that you come one way boldly because when you come boldly, you're going to get into one place, and that's his presence. So I want to challenge you that when you come to Shannon Oaks Church tonight at 6 o'clock, and you're going to get so tired of me hearing me say that this morning, you don't walk into that church with your head down as a visitor. You walk into that church through those doors, into their beautiful sanctuary, knowing where you're headed, and that's the throne room of God, and no place short or no place else is going to compare. And nothing is going to stop you from getting into the throne room of God as you leave here and come to Shannon Oaks Church tonight at 6 o'clock. Amen. Because when you go, you've got to go with a purpose in mind. When you go shopping, okay, when men go shopping, they go with a purpose in mind. We're getting something and we're out. Amen. (laughs) Amen. 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 I'm going to stop right there because I'm going to get in trouble if I go any farther. We go and we get it and we're out. When you are a believer, the wise men knew it. They didn't come to Jerusalem to see the city. Amen. They didn't hear about, oh, the great King David who lived thousands of years earlier and say, oh, we want to go on a tourism track around the city of Jerusalem and oh, how beautiful it is. No, they walked into Jerusalem, saw King Herod and said, where's the real king who's been born king of the Jews? We have saw his star in the east. We have came to worship him. Amen. Because the wise men weren't known just for being smart. They were rich, powerful, and even kings themselves. So if kings are coming to worship a king, there should be something superior about what they were coming to worship. And if all the celestial beings in the heavens began to reorchestrate themselves, so a star shone above the city where Jesus was born, people began to take notice. And if they did all this on faith, knowing that a king was born, and you've met this king, how much more should your worship be fully than theirs? Now I I I want you to hear me on this. They knew where they were going. Wise men know where to go to worship. If your worship place is in your closet, I'll still see you tonight at 6 o'clock at Shannon Oaks Church, you just carry your closet with you. Amen? Some of y'all are like, well, pastor, I worship, but I just do it in my prayer closet at home. I'm glad about that. But it's time for you to start leading in worship then. Listen, I'm not afraid to come and kneel down at the altar. I'm not afraid to come lay flat on my face right here at the very front of the sanctuary at the altar because I've done it before. Because my worship isn't contingent on what you think. My worship is contingent on the throne room of God and what I got to do to get there. And listen, I'm going to challenge you this morning know where you're going. Know where you're going. The wise men knew where they were going. They weren't on a tourism track. They weren't uh, meandering around the whole uh, eastern part of the world trying to figure it out. They knew where they were going. They had an agenda. I pray you start coming into church with an agenda. That agenda is to get into the presence of God. That's the only agenda we should have. And we should get there rather quickly because we all come in with the same agenda. We should get there rather quickly because we all came, woke up this morning and said, hey, I came to church for one purpose and that's to worship him and to get into the presence of the king and the king almighty. So this morning, you gotta know where you're going if you're gonna have to fully worship. The wise men knew who they were going to worship. It says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Notice they weren't weren't trying to figure it out when they got to Jerusalem. They weren't trying to figure out who Jesus was. Listen, when is the last time You didn't try to figure out who you're worshiping. When is the last time you knew who you came here to worship? See, a lot of times we sing songs up here and we sing them over and over and over. But some of the songs we sing up here aren't about him at all. They're about you. And that can't constitute his worship. Because worship's about him receiving, not you being in need. Now, we do utilize the worship time. For your needs to get met. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because inevitably, when you walk into the presence of Almighty God, me as an imperfect person, God's going to begin to change something in me. You can't walk into the, into the presence of perfection and not be changed. So that's why during altar calls, we stress, if you have got something God is working on you about. If you need to pray with somebody, come pray with somebody and get that right as quickly as possible so you can get back into worshiping Him and not be so consumed with you. Amen. See, it's not only important to know where you're going, but know who you're worshiping. See, a lot of times I've seen it in churches, and we've even been victim to this as our church. We've come to the presence of God, we know how to get there, but when we get there, we make it all about us. Oh Lord God, forgive me. Okay, get it right on your way in. You know who you're coming to worship. You you got at least a five-minute drive. Because I know almost all y'all live past Walmart or down that way five minutes. You got a five-minute drive, and when your mind starts getting right of knowing where you're going, the presence of God the throne room, you automatically know when you get to the throne room, you're going to need forgiveness about something. So just ask for forgiveness before you even walk in the building. And you can have a lot more fun in worship because you get to spend the whole time worshiping him, not getting your life right. (laughs) So when you go to worship, know who you're worshiping. Know who it's for and what it's about. As you begin to get into the presence of God on a regular basis, you don't just know how to get there, you know who you're going there to see. They didn't ask for anybody else. They simply asked the question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? When you walk in the church, you need the first question you need to ask in your mind is where is Jesus Christ in my life? If Jesus Christ is on the back burner, it's time to move him to the front. If Jesus Christ is stuck into the closet and you're just pulling him out because you're in church for a good little uh, uh, churchy decoration like we do at Christmas, we hang things all over the house to represent Christmas. We come into church, we just throw Jesus out front. Oh, Jesus, you're my King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Okay, we're out of church, get back in the closet. Right? I mean, worshiping fully is not just a one hour event. Listen, A football game is 60 minutes, correct? I mean, they put 60 minutes on the clock of every football game. Top of the clock, start the game, 60 minutes. But for a 60-minute football game, how early do you get there? If you go to a professional game, me and my wife get there at least two hours early. Because we want to tour the stadium. Again, even though we've seen it three or four times. We want to tour the stadium. We want to walk around and we want to enjoy the atmosphere, The game only lasts sixty minutes, so we get there two hours early for a sixty-minute game. The game starts, the the whistle blows, they all start playing football, and the sixty-minute game ends up lasting three hours. And all the women said, "Yes, we know." (laughs) So you came for a sixty-minute game. You got there two hours early to watch a three-hour game, and then when the game is done, you don't just up and leave. You kind of walk around a little bit more. If you're team one, you stay and celebrate a little bit more. And we'll give that another 45 minutes. So now this 60-minute game has taken up five hours and 45 minutes of your life. Then on the way home, if you're men, you got it on ESPN radio, and you're listening to the highlights of the game that you just saw that was supposed to take 60 minutes but lasted three hours, that you got there two hours early for and stayed 45 minutes late after just to celebrate. And if you live like us, you have an hour and a half ride home. So now... We got six hours or five hours or 45 minutes. We'll just say six hours plus an hour and a half. So you got seven and a half hours wrapped up into a 60-minute time of worship, and we love it. Cody, we even pay to go watch it. We give big money, and we even buy jerseys when we get there. And listen, the closer you get to the front, the better. All my front two rows are like, yeah, we love it. And the closer you get to the front, the better, because you can be by the players and you can you can even smell the sidelines. I don't think that's very appealing, but some of y'all like that stuff. Because you know who you're going to watch or who you're going to worship. Right? right? Well, let me ask you this. How many of you got here two hours early this morning? Give my hand up. What's up? I was here two hours earlier. I was here at 6 a.m. But if I wasn't supposed to preach this morning, would I have been here at 6 a.m.? I'm kind of like, ugh, I don't even like that question. But I was here this morning, God. So we're two hours early for a 60-minute game that lasts three hours. We say 45 minutes late. We have an hour and a half ride home that we rehearse everything that we just saw. And we don't consider that worship, but that's really worship. Because you're going to see the who that you wanted to see. You're going to see the who's on the field that you wanted to see. The wise men came into Jerusalem. They knew where they were going. They came from the east. They knew where they were going. They walked into Jerusalem. They know who they were going to see. When you go to a sporting event, there is no doubt in your mind who you are going to see. You're going to see your team, whoever that may be. You got their jersey, their color. You got everything on it. And you want the closest seat possible. And if you can't get the closest seat possible, you want the best view of the jumbotron available. And we know the who's that are in our life. The who's. Now, worshiping fully, 30 days, make Jesus that who. When you get a chance to come to church, don't just come, be a little bit early and fellowship with the people around you. When you get a chance to leave, Go ahead and leave, okay, and take them to lunch with you. Amen. (laughs) Some of of y'all will get that in a little bit. Go ahead and leave and take them to lunch with you and continue the the event. Tonight, we got a chance to worship. I pray you don't walk in 20 minutes late to Shannon Oaks Church at 6 (laughs) o'clock. But I pray that you come knowing where you're going and who you're going to worship. Now, the last thing about worship is this. You cannot get distracted by the what's. Of worship okay we cannot get distracted by the what's of worship the what's of worship are this the bible says we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him we saw his star in the east now the church damon in today's world we are filled with amazing stars in the church we, are. we got rising stars all over the church world. We got amazing singers. We got amazing instrumentalists. We got amazing preachers. We got amazing stars all over the church. The problem is many people in the midst of worship, we get distracted by the stars and we lose focus on the who we came to worship. Come on. Can I get an amen on that? Listen, if you come to church to hear Joel T. Meyer, you're wrong. And as bad as that hurts to say that, ugh. No, you're wrong. I don't want you coming here to see me. I don't want you to coming to hear me. I want you coming to hear a word from God that you know he's going to deliver passionately in an expression of worship through me. I want you to come to see the king, not a star per se. I don't want you to come to rage to see Damon, who is a, if you go to the lunchroom with him, he's a rock star. <laughs> Walk into the lunchroom with him, everybody's like, Dabo, Dabo!" He And I'm like, hey, can I just hold hold your shirt Damon and walk next to you so I don't get lost in the crowd but Damon's good about turning it in the rage room about God I mean I love it when the worship team just brings it in the midst of worship I'm talking you know when the presence of God hits I mean you can feel it in the sanctuary when the presence of God hits And everybody's like, oh, there's the throne room. We've made it. I I, I know Christ is in our midst. I know the anointing is here. I feel it, and and I understand it, and it's here. But we got to be quick not to focus on the people here and let the people distract us from the king we really came to worship. See, wise men aren't distracted by the what's. They weren't distracted by the star. Today in the church world, many of us, we get distracted by the stars. We get this just distracted by, oh, how amazing does the, does the Christmas tree look? And in the midst of worship, we're in the throne. And we're supposed to be looking for the king. We're like, oh, the tree. Correct. Or we're in the midst of worship and we're like, oh, I love her shoes that she's wearing. Right? Or, oh, Joel's starting to sweat a little bit. And we notice all the distractions. But are the stars, the rising stars, distracting us from the king you really came to worship? See, here's the problem with being a human. We get distracted easily. We get distracted and we miss the king because we didn't know where we're going and we got brought away by a star. And we say we left and we had church, but we never really worshipped fully. We never really worshipped fully. Now, there's a verse in the Bible that corrects every bit of this. And so I would say the wise men had it right when they came to worship fully. Because when they made it to Jerusalem, they found Christ, and they worshipped him, and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they gave it to the king, and they worshipped him. But let's fast forward in time 2,000 years to the year 2013. Let's fast forward to now because there's not a manger scene. Well, if you went to the house, there's not Jesus' house. Pastor, we're in America, and we, and as messed up as church is in America, we still do it the American style. Some of y'all are like, I didn't know church was messed up. Okay, skip all that. Don't get distracted by that. Here's what I want to say. When we come, and it's the year 2013, and we physically don't have gold to bring to a physical king who's sitting there, How do we worship? How does this happen in today's society? I want to read read you this verse out of Romans 12, 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul is saying this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Present your bodies as living sacrifices, not your voices. Present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By testing, you may discern what the will of God is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And some of y'all are like, I've heard that verse a million times. That doesn't explain to me how I worship. Well, let me read it in Joel's paraphrase version. I'm not writing my own Bible, but I did write these two, versions, these two verses of my own version. In light of everything you know about Christ, this is Joel's version of Romans 12:1 and 2, In light of everything you know about Christ, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, what he's doing right now. Some of y'all are like, he's just sitting there right now. No, the Bible says he ever liveth to intercede or pray for you. So Jesus is praying for you right now to God, the Father who's in heaven. And so in light of everything you know about Christ and all that he has done for you, when you worship him, give it all you got. Give it 100%. Don't leave here without breaking a sweat. And I heard crickets. (laughs) Don't leave here without knowing you've stretched your faith in the area of worship. Pastor, I've never lifted my hand in worship all my life. I was raised a good traditional person. Okay? I understand that. I'm asking you not to worship like me. I don't want you worshiping like me. If you start looking at me during worship, you're already looking at a star or a distraction, not the king. I want you to ask Jesus, Jesus, how do you want me to worship you today? If you want me to stand here and just sing, I'll stand here and sing. But if you want me to lift a hand, I'll lift a hand. If you want me to kneel down, I'll kneel down. If you want me to lay flat on my face in front of everybody in the church, I'll even do it. Some of you are thinking, I know I won't. I'll do it at my home. Besides, Joel worships between me and God anyway. I want you to give it 100%. I want you to give it all you got. Don't hold anything back. Don't do it. Listen to this. The verse said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't do it the way the world does it. Don't worship how they worship false gods. Don't do it that way. Don't worship the way the world worships. Don't worship the way they do false gods. Worship him with a new mindset of where, where am I going? I'm going to the throne room of God. Who am I worshiping? I'm worshiping Jesus Christ. And not be distracted by the what's or the rising stars of worship. And God says, I'll show you my perfect will for your life. That's how I would write that verse. For the year 2013 to kick off Advent Conspiracy, and we're talking about worshiping fully. We've talked about where the wise men, they knew where they were going. We talked about the wise men, they knew who they were worshiping. We talked about the wise men and how they were not distracted by stars. But how does that relate in the year 2013 to a contemporary church in the middle of nowhere? How do we worship? Here's how you worship. In light of everything God has done for you. In light of everything that you know about Christ, some of you may know a lot, some of you may not know very much, that's fine, either way is good. In light of everything you know about Christ and everything that he's done for you, worship him like that and give him 100% of what you got this morning.